Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello, wine friends, and welcome back to part two with wine communicator Luma Montero. Now, if you did not check out last week's episode, go back. We were talking about the exciting wines of Brazil, but today we are in the northeastern corner of Italy talking about the wines that come out of Veneto. So we'll be talking about Valpolicella, Amarone, Suave. We will not be discussing Prosecco as that's got an episode all to itself, literally two episodes ago. So today, when you're listening, we'll be decoding what is the difference between Valpolicella, Valpolicella Ripasso, Amaroni della Valpolicella. All of these are using the great variety Corvina and also Rondinella, Molinara. So we'll be talking about those great varieties. You'll understand Ricciotto, the sweet wine. Both Ricciotto and Amaroni are made in the Apasamiento method. So this is where the grapes are dried. The white wine of this region is Suave, made from the Garganega grapes. So you know the rules. Pour yourself a glass of wine, unless of course you are driving, and enjoy the episode. Okay, I want to take us to the Veneto region in Italy now, because you recently were there working very hard, drinking lots of wines, Venetian wines, so you could talk to us about it, right? That was the point, yes? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was preparing for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, it's a hard life working in the wine industry, but we got to do what we got to do. Right. So how many days were you out there? So the trip was eight days and was part of my award for RWSC that I got the award this year of yeah. Emerging Talent Wine Communicator. Yes, you did. You won. I, did. I didn't realize that this was part of the trip. And okay, yes. part of the trip. Let's just take a little shout out, everybody. Stop. Congratulations. Thank you. Just to make it clear again, what did you win so that everyone can hear you? What did you win <laughs> this year? So I won the RWSC award. It's called Emerging Talent Wine Communicator. And it was amazing because like I had an amazing panel with me, um, shortlisted. And it was a women shortlist, which was yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was. Beautiful wine professionals, writers, you know, it was absolutely stunning. And I was, I was shocked. <laughs> I have to say I was shocked. And part of the award was like, I said I wanted to discover in loco more Italian wines. Because okay. So the award was sponsored by Prosecco, Corneliano Vodobiadene. You've been there, the Superiore. Yes. I just didn't go there again because I did a big trip like you did. And I visit the region, which is stunning. It's absolutely incredible. Oh, it's well, incredible. Exactly. Anyone who hasn't checked out my episode two episodes ago, I'm talking all about those Prosecco hills. And it's, it's heroic viticulture, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And dangerous as well. <laughs> Honestly, I literally just picked some grapes for 35 minutes in my winery in England on flat land <laughs> and my back was aching like anything. And we did it in 25 degrees heat. And I was like, 
how can you do this for the whole day? You know, it just really, it's shocking. Anyway, so you were like, I've been there, done that, beautiful tick. So you were like, can I just go slightly to the south of that region? Is that what exactly. you just said? Can I, I'll stick in Veneto, but can I just go yeah, a little bit? Exactly. Okay, all right. <laughs> let, me, let me just go to the other side. But they knew because that was part of the, what I said, what I was going to do with the award. So I did Veneto. So I stayed based in Verona. And then I did Tuscany. I was based in Siena. And I did Bologna, which was trying Labruscos. Oh, Labruscos was the thing that really... So you did this all the all in one trip. Mm, the exactly. Okay. Because it was all the wines that I was like... And you study it and you know it in theory. But I was like, no, you know what? I want to go there. I want to know how the locals... Do the locals drink it? How is their perception of the wines? So this is what... Yeah. So what was your discovery? So you stayed in Verona, but I think you didn't actually visit wine regions. You no, didn't, did no you? No, in Verona. No. So Verona when you were in Verona, yeah, what was the point of Verona? What did you do there? So in Verona, I was doing, I was trying to do, what I was trying to do is try the maximum of wines I could from the region that makes sense for me to put in a format that I could, you know, remember this and share. Because okay. I, was, I was sharing, I was posting on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Whoever saw this trip was like, I was intense, <laughs> intense sharing and posting. I love it. Well, now you have to repeat it for everyone yes. who hasn't seen on yeah. your Instagram. And I will put in the show notes, Luma's Instagram, because she puts up really easy to understand educational content. Hence why you won the Emerging you know, Talent Communicator Award, right? So, okay. You tasted all these wines. It's a hard job, but someone has to do it. Someone has to do it. <laughs> Where do we start? Do you want to talk to us about the red wines of the Veneto? Yeah. So let's try to put them, because this is what I was trying to make sense as well. Like, oh, well, how am I going to understand what's going on here? Well, it's not, it's not super difficult, you know. So no. all the reds from yes. the Veneto are done by certain grapes, which is the main one is Covina. And people might have heard that because of Amaroni, which is the most famous wine from Veneto. And we are going to discuss that. So Corvina is the main grape, is the structure grape, you know, is aromatic, is complex. That is the grape that everyone uses for all the regions. We are going to discuss the different wines. And then you have Corvinona, which is in Italian, big Corvina, but it's not the same grape. They are different grapes. <laughs> so this one is for more body. This is what Corvinona is for. That is the reason. It's always a blend, right? They don't do, it's very rare you find a variety. Yeah, no single variety. No. no. It's, all, it's all a blend. So a Corvina, Corvinona, and then you have Rondinella, which is using less, less, but it's still the good chunk of the blend. And in a very lesser extent, let's say, is Molinara. Use it less and less. Which is interesting because when I first started studying for me, so, I mean, this is now going back 12, 13 years ago. They used to teach you, it was that Molinara was used more than Corvinone. And it's gone the other way around. So it's really interesting. And I guess that goes to show the development because they are trying to be a lot more serious. Because, I mean, it's interesting, which you're going to tell us about, the wines are incredible, but this whole region officially has some of the highest yields accepted in any appellations. It's got super fertile land, so the grapes grow like crazy. So 
you have to find the hills and you have yeah. to find the regions <laughs> on the hills and then it gets interesting. And I guess this whole thing of swapping and kind of kicking out Molinara a little bit, poor Molinara, <laughs> little tarty grape, no one likes it, get out. But now <laughs> obviously they've decided, right, what really are the better grape varieties? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And uh, so there's a blend, right? There's what you're going to taste when you taste the red wine in Veneto and the famous ones. And what happened is the main wines, and I'm, I'm not talking about very small regional ones, I'm talking the main ones, is Vopolicella. Of course, yes. Made in the town. And you have Bardolino, right? They use the same grapes. The difference is Bardolino is a more, if I can make a, you have to generalize sometimes, otherwise you yeah. don't make sense of things. Is Bardolino is like more entry level-ish, more, how every day, it's, it's an everyday wine, exactly. Softer, more everyday. I mean, from my understanding, and tell me if I'm wrong, they use actually a little less Corvina. And I know that yeah. they can actually allow in a little bit of white grape varieties and jumping ahead. So we'll get on to Garganega, the grape variety, but that can be used. So these are, when they're not using the Corvina, they're losing some of that structure. They're losing a little of that complexity. So that was always... My understanding of Bardolino, the exactly, region. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, it's quite, it's not easy to find a Bardolino in Verona. Because what I wanted to do in Verona, I wanted to be based somewhere that I could find. Because if you go Bardolino, I can imagine that you're just going to drink Bardolino. If you go Vapolicella, you're just going to drink Vapolicella. And I wanted to have a bigger scenario. You know what I mean? Like a, a bigger view. Yeah. I was struggling to find Bardolino there. While Vopolicella, you find everywhere, every restaurant, you, you're going to find a Vopolicella. Also, question, the Bardolino Rosé. Chiaretto. And I was going to say, how do you, I always can never pronounce the C in the H, right? The Chiaretto. Because <laughs> it's a bit darker, fruited, darker. isn't it? Like a, a darker colour, yeah. maybe a little bit more herbaceous and crunchy fruit. Yeah. I've, I've hardly the, drunk any. This is what, like, in Verona was difficult to find. And I was really trying to find it because I wanted to try. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm up to it, you know. Darker rosé, you know. Some yeah. people get very, when they see a rosé dark, they're like, oh, no. They're like more the Provencal styles, which are very pale. But there is a beautiness in this, like, of darker course. roses, isn't it? Which is very, like, yeah. We know that, but dark colour doesn't mean sweet. That's the problem. Exactly. Exactly, this is still exactly. dry and it can be really crunchy fruit, but actually more body, more intensity, body. And and extra wine fruitiness. Food. Wine food, yeah. you know, you wine mm, food. Mm, mm. Did you manage to find any in the end? I found one in one <laughs> store and the guy <laughs> gave me like a little bit of sepia. I was like, wow, that is lovely. <laughs> well, yeah. I do know that there is a Bardolino in Waitrose because I've seen it, everybody in the UK. Oh, so there, there is one. Ooh. Don't ask me what produced, but there is one. I can say that. Right, um, you know, Badolin is nice. It's very good wine. Yeah. And good value. It's, it's, just, good value. it's different towns, different towns, you know, like Badolino and the Vapolicella, there's all. And Badolino is right by Lake Garda, which also actually, so it's an amazing place to visit. You could enjoy the lake. I have been to this region, except I got to Lake Garda on the foggiest of days. <laughs> You could not see anything in front of you. So my experience of Lake Garden, when I see it in the internet and it's so blue and there's beautiful green trees with lovely bushes of like red flowers and everything is insanely beautiful. I'm like, um, literally I could have been in a pond <laughs> just, just like round the corner from my house. Like uh, so sad, but yeah, I am aware. So they tell me, <laughs> even though I've been there, that Lake Garda is beautiful. And then Bardolino is right next, next door. Whereas You've got to go a little bit further east, haven't you, to get to Valpolicella? Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly, mm. exactly. 
And then when we go for Polichera, and then for Polichera is when things get very complicated. Not complicated. <laughs> not complicated. We are going to just complicate now. No, it's not exactly. complicated at all. What you're going to talk about what people need to look at on the labels, right? To know what they're getting. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yes. So we now separate them both. Like in Badolino has the Carrot, which is the Rose. Badolino has the Badolino Classico, which Italy has that a lot, which is the original the limited area where the deal started and then when they expanded it so for example it's the same in Chianti when you have Chianti Classico which is like the region the original one where you know Chianti was produced and then when they extended it they call it Chianti because it's a larger area and to be fair tip number one if you have the opportunity and you see Classico versus it not being on the label just go Classico because basically if it's not it overexpanded because of popularity and they went oh we don't care that this is not the specific terroir or the soils it's not the best area but we just kind of need to make more juice so basically Classico is guaranteeing you that it's planted on the original place that has terroir specific characteristics it's going to be better most likely that's what it's telling exactly. you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And Badolino will have the same. You have Badolino, Badolino, Casco. Right. Okay. So we left Badolino now because. Badolino the... done. <laughs> Badolino done. <laughs> and then we have uh, Vopolicella. What happened with Vopolicella is you have the classifications and then you have Vopolicella, you have Vopolicella Classico, and then because they are all growing in complexity, in concentration, in flavor. So Classico. And then you have Vopolicella Classico Superiore because Superiore goes a little bit in oak. Feel like oak, go for that, and a little bit more for alcohol, right? So this is the Vopolichella, how Vopolichella go in three levels. And then you have what is a difference in style. It's not a DOC. Well, actually, it is a DOCG, but the region is the same, but the style is going to change. Is when we go Amaroni and we go Ricciotto, right? Mm-hmm. When I get very excited. And then we are going to complicate a little bit because we have Vopolichella Repasso, but Repasso we are going to talk after. Yeah, what exactly, that makes now sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. To separate them is... What the producers do in Vopolicella, when they want to do a more bigger body wine, bigger, bolder, and they increase the alcohol, they have to do something with these grapes because the grapes is going to be do what they have to do. You know, there's nothing else you can do. They have a maximum of alcohol they will achieve and etc. flavors. So what they do is they dry these grapes. So they get the grapes from Vopolicella, dry them. So they harvest it and they dry in this, I forgot the name. They're ah, fruit eyes. Exactly. Fruit eyes. These, these ventilated yeah. rooms, ventilated drying rooms. rooms. And they have these straw mats. They put the grapes there. And these grapes are going to dry. So this can take, like, some producers go three months, you know, depends, depends. I know, depends, yeah. Depends, it depends. can be, I think some of them even go up to 120 days. What's, is that four months? Is that four months? Anyway, yes, three to four months is standard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, because this is not, suddenly you burn these grapes it's a process because they they get shrinking slowly and they start losing water so what's going to happen is these grapes are going to be very concentrated right everything flavor acidity sugar everything gets concentrated in the water evaporating bye-bye so this is going to be more, <laughs> bye 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 water <laughs> bye water <laughs> we don't need you you just get in yes, the way you exactly. get in the way of all the alcohol content that we need <laughs> <laughs> so why you why is going to happen with these wines are with these grapes more concentrated yeah the wines will have of course the sugar more mm-hmm. sugar 
So they will convert to this going to be alcoholic wines. So you have two ways to go with these grapes. Or you make a dry wine, which is Amarone, because you are going to ferment all the sugar until dryness. You're going to convert all the sugar to alcohol. So these wines are going, an Amarone is 16% alcohol. Very often, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is, not, this is not for the lighthearted. It's not for a, no. it's not for so a Monday lunchtime. When I was in Verona, and I want to tell this here, because I was going to actually write a post about it. Amarone is a meditation wine. You know why? Because you drink it. It's so alcoholic. Then you go to the garden and you start meditating about your life. You start thinking. <laughs> you start thinking. Okay with that. You know, okay with you that. Philosophical. You That's go brilliant. everything. Political. <laughs> <laughs> and don't even get started if you go onto the second bottle. But most people don't make it onto the second no, bottle. No. No. Yeah. I think, so yeah, and you're so right. I'm officially... You can find Amarone from 14%, but you're so right. I don't think I've ever seen anything under 15 and yet 15.5. I mean, these are, but you know, you've lost 50% of the content of the grape. You've concentrated, you've got raisins. These are raisins now. And then you're going to ferment that. And of course, the more sugar, the more alcohol. So this is the fullest bodied wine you're going to find in Italy. Big, right? Exactly. And the, the other variation is when you don't use these grapes, when you don't convert all the sugar to alcohol, then you have a sweet wine because you still have a residual sugar there, which is Recioto de Lavo Policella. So Recioto is a sweet wine. The fermentation didn't go until the end. So you, the fermentation is stopped. So you have sugar, you have residual sugar in this big, big wine. So they are both big, bold wines. Quite similar in profile of flavors because they will have like this, you know, Christmas pudding, raisins. They are, they are strong wines, but the ricciotto is going to be sweet and the Amarone is going to be dry. And there is a curiosity there, and I don't know if you know that, probably you know that. The first wine that they did with raisin grapes was ricciotto. Ricciotto was the first wine. Yes, exactly. Because I think this is the other thing. Everyone needs to know, hundreds of years ago, everyone was just drinking sweet wine. The same sweet way champagne. Champagne had hundreds of grams worth of sugar. People loved sweet wines, right? Exactly, exactly. And there was one producer. Oh my God, what is the name of the producer? This is Katina. We talk, this is Katina Negrar, no? That actually first produced the Amarone. Is this what we're talking no. about? There is, no. an, is another producer who was the first one to produce Amarone. And apparently, so the stories are... But, well, I don't... So again, this is what I've heard. But again, remember how things are different. They had a different name. They were called Catina Social Valpolicella. It was a co-op that I think has uh, now changed its name. Be. Yep, first I'm producer, sure of it. First producer of Amarone. There is the famous one. And then okay. there was two, that they, Bertani. Uh, okay. One of All the right. pioneers. Because it was not just one. Right. Well, and of course, and depends on where you look on Google as to who was actually the first. Of course right. it is. Of course, yeah. It's a, it's a blurred line because what happened is apparently, apparently, and there is, I think there is a little bit of tail on it. And I think I, I wrote a post about it was by mistake because they forgot. <laughs> they, are, they forgot the ricciotto. <laughs> <laughs> and it just carried on fermenting And it by carried accident. on fermenting. Mm. And then you had a dry. In the beginning was called... Recioto della Valpolicella Amarone, because Amarone is bitter. So in their minds was like, oh, we forgot the Recioto and it's not sweet anymore. It's Amaro, right? It's bitter yeah. mm-hmm. because it's dry. <laughs> so, and then with time that the Recioto was 
because it was very confusing. So they took the ricciotto out and it's Amarone de Policella. Just as you said, like Amaro means bitter, but they say Amarone because it means great bitter. So to actually yeah. say, oh yeah, <laughs> you know what? Actually, we've realized this is a really good bitter wine, aka a really good dry wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's fascinating, but it's funny, isn't it? So a lot of the wines, I mean, again, the bubbles in champagne, they were created by accident. Serendipity. They were trying to get rid of the bubbles at all times. Bubbles were bad, which is hilarious. So two of the most premium, amazing wines in the world, Champagne and Amarone de Laval Policella, were both created by accident. Love it. And then with all that separated, right, we were talking about our Policella. We were talking about the Amarone, which is a style. You know, is that the OCG Amarone? Amarone de Laval Policella is a DOCG. Why over Policella is DOC, just to be clear. But they wanted something in the middle. A poor man's Amarone. Exactly. Because Amarone, you know, is a bold, bold wine. You need food. You need food with Amarone. And it's not just that. Think about it. How expensive is Amarone? I mean, you can find, you can find 30 pound Amarones that are okay. But really, if you want something that's actually going to be exciting and interesting and really true, it's at least 50 pounds. But these are from the, the best grapes from slopes, hand harvested, you've lost 50% of your liquid, 50% of your profit already. And then you've got to age it for at least two years. Or of course, if it's a reserver, it's four years. So you've got to make your money back. So you have to understand that it's going to be very expensive to get something that tastes of really good quality. Exactly. Exactly. So here lies the poor man Samaroni. <laughs> exactly what they did. Well, Mopolicella, is for Policella, and then Amarone is like this bold wine. Can we do something in the middle? And the middle is for Policella Ripasso. And apparently, is in Verona the most drunk style? This is a style. For Policella Ripasso, is nothing more than you increase the concentration of the wine and the flavors because you pass the wine, the Vopolicella wine, on the leaves, on the grapes that you did a maroni. So you did a maroni, you separate the juice, you have the, you still have, you know, liquid in the grapes, right? Yeah, yeah. A little bit left the juice. with exactly. the skins, right. So you get this avopolicella ripasso, put with the leaves, with the grapes, skins, everything from a maroni, and you ferment it again. Because what is going to happen is you're going to have a little bit of sugar, right? Still hanging around with, hanging with yeah. Around. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this will ferment again. So you will increase the body of your Vopolicella and the alcohol of your Vopolicella because you are passing. There's a reason of a repass. So pass is pass through. You know? So you repass, you pass through the, the leaves and the grapes of Amaroni. And then you have Vopolicella repasso. And I have to say, I tried that. The wine is absolutely spectacular. I love it. I love it. So I guess, you know, this is where we should also talk about. So when you have your Valpolicella Classico, your in the Bardolinos, because of the, the grapes used, it's a very, it's a red cherried, it's a fruity wine, something a little bit herbaceous with a little uh, almond bitterness. That, that, that's the kind of style. And the young, young wines you can actually chill. Once you've done Amarone, you get that, the raisins, the chocolate, the power, the spices. And the Rapasso is somewhere in between, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And apparently it is like the most drunk by Italians in okay. Verona is Ripasso. It's decided like the most because it's, you know, it's middle. You want it a bit more serious, but you don't want an Amarone. That's where you go. And you can afford it a little bit more. Exactly. I went to Allegrini many, many years ago. And so they do a 
stunning rapasso. I think it's called uh, Palazzo della Torre. I used to sell it as a sommelier as well. It says Palazzo della Torre on the top of the label, and then there's loads of writing. It's like it's it's a quite catchy bottle. Label. It's quite unique. Yeah, label. Sorry, yeah, Palazzo della Torre. It's always been a really special wine. Actually, I'm not sure how expensive that is. It's not, not the cheapest, <laughs> sadly. So what I'm going to look it up. The Palazzo della Torre. It has always been one of my my favorites, actually. Allegrini is a great producer, isn't it? They are amazing. For everything. And now have we done, we've done everything. Have we done all the reds? Kind of the reds that people reds, know done. about. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> done. Okay. So now we need to go over to the whites whilst I do the Palazzo della Torre and see who's selling it and for what price. Oh, okay. All right. <gasps> right. Okay. <laughs> Only £20.99. I say only, I'm sorry. I appreciate actually we don't just drink £20 wine every day. But when you want something special, guaranteed yeah. special, but you're not going to go up to that £50 mark, yeah, £20.99 for a Palazzo della Torre. Yeah, okay, there we go. Great. <laughs> so then once we've gone past, if we actually continue going east, we then get to Suave, the region mm -hmm. Suave, don't we, which is White Wine County. Yes, I have to say, like, I've tried many Suaves before and I was like, oh, this wine is stunning, you know, it's one of the best wines from from Italy, white wines, white wines. And when I was there, I was even more in love because Suave, the grape is Garganega. There is a grape of Suave. But they uh, they get this salinity on the palate, you know, a little bit like mineral. It's very mineral, but full of flavor. And uh, even like, you know, when you age it and age it beautifully, Suaves age beautifully. You have a Suave classic, what, you know, good producer. We've been trying there some older vintages and was absolutely stunning there is a wine suave classical inama this producer inama you probably have seen the label mm -hmm. yep Carry you know on. what i'm talking yep. about the label is yep. more like artsy isn't it it's white with this art scene in very fine lines black and it changes because they have suave and they have suave classical and they have their single vineyards Gosh, this wine, I swear to God, even when I was in Siena, I found this wine in a wine bar. It's like, this is what I'm going to drink tonight. <laughs> I love it. If it's not that, I mean, Piero Pan as well, you're most likely to be able Piero to find Pan. Piero Pan. And yes. I mean, come on, potentially undisputed champion. I don't know. But of course, you've got all these, you know, lots of other producers now producing super high quality. But Piero Pan was probably one of my first. I remember when it's a special wine for me anyway. My brother took me out for my birthday one time and, and paid the bill and took me to a really posh place in London. And then I think regretted <laughs> it because he let me choose the wine. And it was La Roca, that single vineyard oh, of yeah, Piero yeah, Pan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, he wasn't happy when he saw the bill at the end. But that, And that is also <laughs> why like, I, yeah, and that's also why it's a special memory because it was a, a beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful wine, drunk with my brother. He paid for it all and I got to choose. So yeah, 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 Piero Pan. <laughs> so I also, for me as well, when I was doing my level three WSET, I remember having trying to visualize these grapes and regions and how do I remember them? And I actually remember, in, I probably can find it in my, in fact, I might, everyone, if I can find it, I'll take a, a screenshot and I'll put it up on Instagram <laughs> somewhere. I drew with pencil a volcano, because there's lots of volcanic soils, which is why it has this kind of minerality and salinity. And I remember drawing like a test tube with these little bubbles coming out to tell me that it had really good acidity. <laughs> I drew a little Very flower cool. 
because it often has like orange Very blossom floral, or yeah. floral yeah. notes and kind of chamomile. And then I remember drawing the, then then a lemon. That one that one's boring or something like that. But you know, so I can actively remember the volcano and especially the test tube lab acidity thing. Um, and I think you know it just so it's really stuck in my mind. Garganega has always been this great variety that. I drink very rarely, but I know what it tastes like. And I know that, and it has that, that richness of aromatics and body, doesn't it? And if it is, it can go to peachiness as well, if it's a richer style, but such a beautiful grape variety, isn't it? It's a beautiful grape variety. It has this ability of aging that I think is aging charmingly. It's beautiful. Any opportunity to try Suave is truly, and I was drinking Suave in Verona. I was drinking when I went to Siena because I was so, you know, when you go and you're like, yes, yes. I remember how spectacular it is because I think, you know, here, I don't drink much Suaves. No, no, because they're not, it's not the typical thing you're going to find, isn't it? But now I made a promise to myself that was like, you know what? Next summer, because for me, you know, so summer gives me motivation. Okay, uh, okay. It's going to be suave. Next, next summer for me is going to be suave. Okay, the summer of suave. Well, are you going to drink just dries, or are you going to drink some of their sweets? Because they have, of course, they the have Pioto, the, the suave as well. Yes, yeah. yes, very rare to find Michiotto the suave. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, you know, this grape is beautiful. Kaganega can do whatever they do want to do. I used to sell a really nice Ricciotta de Suave and it was owned by, if I'm not wrong, three sisters, four sisters. I always loved the story. I used to sell it as a sommelier and the winery is called Suabia. Suabia. So it actually is kind of a little bit like Suave. So for people to kind of try and remember that producer, they're quite modern, very exciting. Their labels are quite fun as well. And so, yeah, so they do a really nice sweet wine. And again, everyone, it's kind of made the same similar way, drying, drying of the grapes, the apasamiento method. So yeah, God, it just, when we talk about this and you realize all the different styles that you can have, and it's a beautiful place in the world because again, because you've got the hills, haven't you? Exactly, exactly, oh. exactly, exactly. My God. <laughs> Was there any other producers that blew you away? Is there some of them that stick in your mind? Let me remember. So I had uh, from Suave. Oh, from anywhere. Unsell Me, Unsell Me was very good. Okay, to be fair, yes. No, 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 no. They, without a doubt, and they they are very, you can get a lot of their wines in England because they're brought in by... Bendem, so one of the big, big importers. Ah, so that helps. Okay. Yeah. It helps. Yeah, so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Vopolicella, Quintarelli. Oh, God. Quintarelli. I can't believe. So, Quintarelli is like, I remember drinking one of the 2005s. It made my knees go weak. I think it was one of my first blog posts that I ever did when I started talking about wine. But Quintarelli is the king. And then oh, you have man. you have Dalforno, who trained Dal under Foro, him. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Who yes. then, but then who almost like not overtook him, different styles, but you know, the teacher becomes the master. So, like a lot of people, I think from my memory, and it's because I do not drink enough Amarone, Dal Forno has went a lot more powerful, a bit, whereas yes. Quintarelli has always been a little bit more restrained with this powerful style. But oh my God, yes, of course. If anyone wants to really go for the leaders of Amarone, yeah. it, it's yes. these two, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And oh. you know, the, Traditional one that you you are not going to do the full experience if you don't try Mazi. Of course. <sighs> Mazi. Man, Mazi. Totally. And no matter where, they've got so much history. And no matter where you are in the world listening to this, Mazi is very likely to be in your 
country. And the most stunning wine from us is the most expensive of them all. But it's so good. I'm trying to remember. It's the top, top Amarone they do. It's fine. Just go to the website. <laughs> you'll yeah. you'll, you'll yeah. find it, right? Oh. <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to do, just because you're so fun and so energetic, I'm going to do the same question. I'm going to finish off with a few questions and one that I asked Amelia Singer and I, and I it was quite funny. I liked her answer. If you could add one wine emoji that we can use on our socials, what is the one that you feel we're missing? What do we need? Ah, oh, man, seriously. I don't know what's going on with a bloody apple. <laughs> 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 what is the white wine? Emoji. Where is it? Where is it? You're so funny. I'm just, I'm going to have to ask people more. That you're the, that's exactly what she said. I know. Come I know. on, man. We have a sparkling. We have, a, we have glasses of champagne. We have champagne, red. No, and rose as well. We could do it. Add them both. Yes. White Next, and pink. you know, add them both. White and rose. How hard is it? How can we express ourselves on Insta? Precisely. You know, you've now got every, you've got all these lovely shades for faces, for arms, for fists, for everything. Why we can have you the not have... like this, you know, the Italian thing. <laughs> the Italian <laughs> <laughs> So to be honest, if anyone goes through the emojis, the amount of random stuff on there that you think, how the hell did it even get on there? It's never used. Why can we not have the different shades of wine? Absolutely. Uh, maybe you need an orange one as well. Whilst we're at it. I'm not, I mean, exactly. Not fussy, but that would be, put it on. How hard? Okay, thank you. Now, to finally conclude, <laughs> if wine could give us advice on life, what would wine tell us? That you are going to get better with age. Oh. <laughs> you will, man. You will. There we go. I absolutely love it. Look at your younger it. self. Look at your younger self. And you look nowadays, so you're like, mm, I'm better. I'm wiser, I'm better. Wiser, yeah, mature, yeah. calmer. Definitely. Oh, I love it. Reflective. <laughs> Nima, you are an angel. Thank you for bringing such energy to this podcast. I, I, we'll, we will do a part three, four, five at some point. So you're an angel. Everyone in the show notes will be all the details so you can follow Lima and have yes. some of her sparkle as well. So we will speak very soon. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys. Yeah. <laughs> So I hope that this glimpse into the world of Veneto's captivating wines has sparked some interest and more excitement. I want to tell you a little about what is coming next week as I talk about another enchanting wine region and that is is Beaujolais. And as you listen to this, we will have just gone past Beaujolais Nouveau Day. Now, this is a red wine. It's made from the Gamay grapes in Beaujolais. So we're in France here, just south of Burgundy. And what makes it unique is the juice goes through a super quick maturation process in the winery. They are releasing a wine that's fresh and fruity just a few weeks after the grape harvest. Now, you have not missed out. The wines are only ready to be bought as of the 16th of November this year. So... I want to tell you that I have an exciting guest next week who really focuses on Beaujolais. And that is my friend, Dan, owner of Wickham's Wine, my sponsor of this season. And I can't wait for you to meet Dan and understand and hear his passion, his knowledge. So here is a plan. 
you know that if you use the code EATSLEEP10, you get 10% off your first order. Go there, grab a bottle of his Beaujolais Nouveau from Domaine Belle Avenue. Oh gosh, the label, just like the wine, is fun, it's pink, it's cute. Have a look. And then when you listen next week to the two of us, we will be drinking this wine and you can drink along with us. But as always, I shall close off this episode with a wine quote. And actually, I'm going to go with a Latin proverb, and I'm sure we've all heard of it. And it is, in vino veritas. And it means, in wine, there is truth. So enjoy your Italian wine this week, because you know it's French next week. Have a fantastically productive, successful and positive week. I'm waiting for the Beaujolais Nouveau wine to arrive. And whilst I am waiting, perhaps you are waiting for yours too. So should you have two seconds, feel free to leave a little review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. You know it helps make the podcast more discoverable. And so we all know what we're drinking next week, wine friends. Until then... Cheers to you.